Good morning, class. Good morning. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where our spirit is fed, our faith grows stronger, and we learn how to be overcomers. One reason we confess this is because we don't want to take half of the class to decide whether it's working or not. We want to go ahead and believe <laughs> that this is going on from the very first word, and that's Big key of how faith works. You believe it in your heart. You say it with your mouth. Uh, get your Bible and something to make a note with and come into the class and join us today. Let's release faith to see things we haven't seen, to understand things we haven't understood, and grow in this thing that pleases God and receives everything we need and overcomes the world. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for all the good things you have done and continue to do for us every moment of every day. You are truly the good, good Father, such a gracious God. Uh, thank you for your Holy Spirit. We confess he is our teacher, our guide, our help. Uh, give us, Lord, an enlightening of the eyes and heart and mind. Uh, give to us answers and help for right now. Uh, help us to see through your eyes, to see what's right and what's not, what's good and what's not, what's you and what's not you, what pleases you and what doesn't. And we thank you that as we behold in your word, the, your glory, that we are changed from glory to glory by your spirit. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me again, please, in our great textbook of the Bible, Hebrews 10 and 35, he said, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Here we see again that pairing of faith and patience. He said in verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith. You, you're not just saved from hell by faith. You're not only born again by faith. The way you get into the family is the way we're to function morning, noon, and night. Say it out loud, I live by faith. Now, when, when is that talking about? That's, that's all the time. That means you, you open your eyes in the morning by faith. So, Mr. Well, how, how can you do that? Well, you believe they're going to work for you, <laughs> right? You, you get ready by faith. Uh, so how do you get ready by faith? You believe there's a point for you getting ready. It's not uh, futile. It's not vain. It's not wasted motion. Um, there's all kind of reasons why people wind up in some of the terrible situations they do. But a lot of people who... Um, have wound up in the gutter, so to speak. That's what happened to them. A lot of people were in decent circumstances and situations, but they, they begin to be more and more disillusioned 
and upset, thinking, what's the point? Why, why get up and go to work? I mean, the government gets so much of it, and, and uh, my spouse or, or my kids or my, you know, uh, nobody appreciates me, nobody cares. See, that's not getting up in faith. Can you see that? When you keep thinking, what's the point? What's the use? That means you don't have hope. You don't have any expectation for good things in the day. But see, faith, even though you might have been experienced some setbacks, faith will get up in the morning and say, well, this is a new day. And this is the day the Lord has made. I choose, didn't say I felt like it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Makes all the difference. If you will you and I will do this in faith, it opens the door for God to begin to show us things, begin to do things. Even before we get somewhere, He's preparing that for us before we get there. Why? Because we said, it's a good day. Something good's going to happen to us today. Wasn't that Brother Oral Roberts popularized that statement? And, and it's a wonderful thing to say. Let's just say it right now. Something good, Something good. will happen for me today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and you know, doubt and unbelief will go, why you say that? How you know? How you know if anything is good? Well, we know God is good. We know his will is good. And so if what he wants to happen for us happens, it'll be something good. But he needs us to agree with him. He needs us to get in agreement with him. And so we live by faith. We function by faith. We've gotten down as far as verse 32 of chapter 11 in our study of these individual cases of faith. And we've gotten to the individual Samson. So go back, please, in Judges again to the 13th chapter, Judges 13. And let's begin to see why Samson, why his name is in this great Hebrews 11 chapter, you know, of the examples of faith. We see before he was born that his birth was actually a response of God to his people's prayers. They needed help. They needed a leader. They needed deliverance. They needed a champion. And so he heard, God heard their prayer, and he... Uh, gave them Samson. And he gave them Samson through a woman who couldn't conceive. <laughs> Isn't that something? I mean, that's just God. That's how he does it. I mean, there's never any use to tell God why something won't work. <laughs> right? That is futility. That, that's foolishness. Never tell God why something can't happen. He, he chose her, and she believed it. And he, he said something to them specific about Samson. Said, uh, verse 4, told her not to drink basically any alcohol and not to eat anything that was unclean. And you'll conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. So this is not something that everybody did, Right? He's not going to get haircuts. 
He, he's never going to eat grapes or drink anything with any alcohol. He's never going to eat anything that's not clean according to the prescriptions given by the law. For the child shall be a Nazarite. Everybody say Nazarite. Nazarite. Now one thing that we need to distinguish that people familiar with the New Testament sometimes muddle together Nazarene with Nazarite. Jesus the Nazarene. They are not at all the same thing. Nazareth was the place where Jesus was from. A town, a place. Nazarite, it doesn't have to do with that. So in your mind, get a real clear distinction between Nazarene and Nazarite. Nazarite had to do with separation. Separation. And we see that this had to do with Samson's call and his service. And it's worth us spending some time on this because the, the failure to respect his separation ultimately resulted in his downfall and losing his anointing there were, and, and his ministry, if you want to call it that, his place. There is a connection between faith and the anointing, between faith and honor and respect. There's a connection between anointing and separation. Now, the blood of the Lamb has made us holy. We can't make ourselves holy in the sense that the, something only the cleansing of the blood can do. But that doesn't uh, do away with the fact that it's our choice how dedicated we are to the Lord's service how available to him we are. And, you know, one thing the Lord told the priest, he said, uh, those that bear or bore his holy vessels were to be clean. He actually, uh, you know, gave instructions for them to, uh, to wash themselves, to wear special clothes, to, to handle it uh, in a a holy way. And part of the, the word holy here has to do with special, separated, dedicated. For instance, the, the vessels in the temple, the uh, forks and the tongs, the instruments were not to be used for other common things. They're special. They're only to be used for this. The incense, God gave them a special uh, combination of ingredients for the incense and he for, forbade them to use it at their house or their tent or anywhere else. Why? It's special. Special to who? Special for the Lord. And what the angel, God, through the angel is telling Samson's parents here is that the child is special and in the sense of being separated for a purpose that, that God uh, intends to use the child 
And that is to be acknowledged and observed by these restrictions. And so let let me read it again. Uh, Verse 5, you'll conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. He'll begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, put yourself in their place. The Philistines have oppressed them for 40 years. When I say oppressed, wherever you live, if you see a big cloud of dust and you see, you, you hear horses and you look, it's the Philistines coming. Oh, no. What? They, what? they come do whatever they want to. They come steal your livestock, take your precious metals, kill you if they want to. This has been going on for 40 years. Wasn't God's choice. It was the people that left God. And when you forsake God, you forfeit your protection. But, you know, some folks are slow learners. Right? And we're not going to throw any stones, right? Because uh, have there been cases we made the same mistake more than once. But uh, here, they're hearing their deliverance is coming, but he hadn't been born yet. <laughs> you got to wait for him to grow up. This is going to take a few years, right? To get to where we need to be on this. But uh, uh, they, they told, the angel told the mother, and then he, he actually told the father again later the same thing. He'll be a Nazarite to God from the womb. Um, Vine's uh, dictionary of original words brings this out, and I think it's worthwhile. It said there's two kinds of, of Nazarites, the temporary and the perpetual. Most of the time, people were uh, Nazarite for 30 days, 60 days, 100 days. They were separated for a a month or two where they didn't eat certain things, they didn't cut their hair, et cetera, et cetera, because they were, you know, focusing on something for God. And then when that was over, they cut their hair, they went back to eating what they did before. And uh, from the Bible, Vine says, we only have knowledge of three that were lifelong Nazarites. Uh, One was Samson, and the other Another was Samuel. You know, he was given to the Lord from his birth. His mother took him and, and left him at the temple. And uh, John the Baptist was one. You remember, uh, he, uh, he only ate uh, real basic things and he wore, uh, you know, a rough outfit. And that indications of his, uh, he's not even involved in that. He's completely separated to God for these purposes. Even though there are things we need to do in this life, can we, should we have a sense that we are also separated for his service, that we belong to him, that we're available to him? And should we also have lines we don't cross of getting involved in defiling things in this world?
We know it's the blood that makes us clean, but uh, that doesn't keep you from getting involved in defiling ungodly things if you choose to. And if we do, can it have an effect on our faith and on the anointing that's in our life? It certainly did with Samson. These principles are still true today. Thank God for the Spirit of God. Thank God for the ability to belong to Him. How many like the idea that you're a vessel chosen of Him? Hallelujah. To contain special and holy and good things. Used for His uh, exclusive purposes. Amen. You know, with our things, um, our church auditoriums and our properties and our TV and internet equipment and all these kind of things that we have, we don't permit them to be used for ungodly purposes. We, we refuse to rent out our auditoriums for people to have ungodly concerts or things in them that would be, you know, include blasphemy and all this junk that people do in the world. Why? It's the Lord's places. He gave them to us. Should they be separated for His exclusive use and purposes? They should. They should. Look in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Hold your place there in Judges. 2 Corinthians 6. This is New Testament now, isn't it? Second Corinthians. <laughs> That's not a trick question. You know it is. Just reminding you. Because some people try to say, well, you know, God used to care about all that, those things. But, you know, since the New Testament, he didn't care about that. Listen, friend, God doesn't change. He's never, he never changes ever. He doesn't need to. He's perfect. In the 6th chapter of 2 Corinthians, in the 14th verse, he said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? The answer is none, none. What concord has Christ with Belial? Belial's a name for the devil, none. What part has he that believes with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. You know, people would just be up in arms if they had a beautiful sanctuary with, you know, nice wood, new carpet, new paint. And somebody drove a, you know, a herd of pigs in there or a herd of cows and, and they just rooted and destroyed and knocked and just made a giant mess in there and defiled them. Oh, people would be in arms. But really... That's not the temple of God, right? We are the temple of God. He said, uh, you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, them what? The unclean, the unrighteous, the darkness, that which is of the enemy. Come out from that and be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you and be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He goes on to say, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. 
though the blood of the Lamb has made us clean, it's still up to us in this life what we get involved in. And you can choose to get involved in ungodly things that are defiling. Thank God the blood will cleanse you from that too. But in getting involved in wrong things and in getting too close and fellowshipping with unbelievers and blasphemers and all this kind of stuff, it affects you. It affects you more than you realize. And this will affect your faith and it will affect your anointing. Go back to Judges and, and notice this. Judges 13 said, uh, uh, verse 7 tells us again, says, Behold, you'll conceive and bear a son and drink no wine or strong drink or don't eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God. Now, another way of saying that is separated to God. From the womb to the day of his death. From the womb to the day of his death. And so without reading everything in between, uh, she told her husband this. That's what she's doing in this verse. And he said, well, I want to I wanna meet this guy too. And so sure enough, the angel came back, told him the same thing. And they gave an offering and, and there was a, a spectacular thing happened and they knew it was an angel. And uh, uh, the Bible tells us that Samson was born, and verse 24, the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshdol. What spirit is this? Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be surprising to us that the Holy Spirit wants a holy vessel, <laughs> right, to manifest in and to use and to manifest through. It, the Holy Spirit being perfectly holy, completely holy, how tolerant is he of filth, <laughs> spiritual filth and defilement and, you know, He's going to want as much as possible in this world a holy vessel to function through. So Samson was born. He grows up. He's observing these things. His mother did while she carried him, and he is now. He's got long hair. It's never been cut, and uh, uh, no razor touches it, and that's how they cut. And uh, he's not taking anything that's alcoholic. He's not eating anything that's unclean. And as a young man, maybe a you know, teenager, uh, from time to time, the Spirit of God comes on him. Hallelujah. Now, there have been no great exploits. There have been no battles fought and won. But it gives you some insight into how things don't just pop up fully developed one day. God's dealing with it. Come on, can you see that? He's getting him acquainted and acclimated to his Holy Spirit. 
Doesn't give us much detail about it, but Samson's doing something as a teenager, as a young man. Maybe he's doing some kind of physical activity because this is where his grace and anointing is. And all at once, something comes on him. And whoo, he, he feels like he can do things he never thought about doing. Uh, it flows over his body. It flows over his mind. Child of God, the Holy Spirit is real. I said he's real. And he still comes on people today. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. When the rushing mighty wind blew. So, so the Spirit of God came on them. It, he sat on them. We know he's in us by faith. But did you know the Holy Spirit can get in the chair with you? He can come on you. And when he does, you don't have to ask anybody. Is he on me? I mean, if I come and sit on you, would you know? You say, somebody's sitting on me. He, he comes on. This is something we need to know more about. This is something we need to pursue. This is something we need to be hungry for. The Bible said that we need to covet earnestly the manifestations and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of them. He manifests his person and his presence. I've had him come on me before. And, and I laughed and I cried and didn't hardly know what to do with myself. <laughs> but one thing you know, I want some more. <laughs> I want some more of his presence. Now, we don't have to have feelings to live. We live and walk by faith. But I'll take all the feelings he will give me in his Holy Spirit. You too? He moved on Samson. Does he still move on his people today? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And we're running out of time again. Said out loud, I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome this world by faith. I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. We've enjoyed it. Be sure and come back next week. We're going to pick up on this and learn some more about faith in Samson's life. Till then, hallelujah, we are the overcomers. See you next time in Faith School. Really enjoyed being with you again this week in Faith School. I wanted to remind you of something. Philippians 4.19 says that God supplies all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he's certainly done that for us and for the ministry and the broadcast. But I want you to notice what came prior to that. He said in verse 15, just before that, he said, You Philippians know in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Uh, isn't that something that of all the people that were had been affected by his ministry, at that time they were the only ones that gave. It's easy to think, well, you know, somebody else is doing that, everybody else is taking care of that. I ask myself sometimes, what if everybody was doing what I'm doing? How would things be turning out if that's the case? Um, it matters that when the Lord deals with us that we get involved. And so if you'd like to become a partner with this ministry, others have sent the word to you. If you'd like to help send it to somebody else, there's information on your screen. You can become a partner. And there are eternal rewards that go with this, not just the things that are happening in this lifetime. So we invite you and encourage you to do that. And we look forward to being with you again next time in Faith School.
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.